Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello and welcome to the Group of Five Conference Preview episode. Um, I'm going to be breaking these up and putting the timestamp in the description, so make sure you look if you're looking for a specific Group of Five conference that you want to listen to. So I'm going to do all of them, put them in alphabetical order, and uh, timestamp it in the description for um, anyone that just wants to listen to like one or two conference previews instead of the entire five. So like I said, alphabetical, we're starting with the American Athletic Conference preview. Um, We'll go through them in alphabetical order. Um, And since I know this is going to be a long episode, not doing um, the most in-depth dive of every team, kind of just going over uh, key details I would take away. And if the team didn't really have anything crazy happen in the offseason, I'm just going to tell you what they did last season. And that's about it. So hopefully you don't mind that. But starting from the top, the American Athletic Conference, Charlotte 49ers, the over-under set at three and a half wins. Last season, they were 3-9 and nine overall and 2-6 and six in Conference USA. What is a Biff Pogey? The new head coach at Charlotte has hedge fund manager on his resume, but comes in after leaving his associate head coaching position at Michigan. He was credited by many within the Wolverines program with the success that came with Jim Harbaugh as well, often being the guy that players would go to for advice or help with problems on the team. Poji also did a lot of recruiting and coaching in the Charlotte area before taking up serious head coaching gigs, so don't be shocked if the 49ers are actually competitive right out of the box. Next up, East Carolina Pirates over under set at 5.5 wins. Last season they went 8.5, or 8, wow, I read 8-5 and five overall as 8.5 wins, whoops. 8-5 and five overall, 4-4 four and four in ACC play, and they won the Birmingham Bowl 53-29 over Coastal Carolina. Holton Aylers and the top six receivers are gone from last season's team, with only two full-time starters returning to the roster. Uh, the administration is trying to gain approval for an indoor practice facility to increase attractiveness and get some higher-level recruits and transfers into the program as soon as possible. Next up, the Florida Atlantic Owls over under set at 7.5 wins. Uh, last season, they went 5-7 and seven overall, 4-4 four and four in Conference USA, going to the American this year, as well as Charlotte. Failed to mention that earlier. Oops. Tom Herman and Casey Thompson are in the house down in Boca Raton to lead the team forward. Herman comes into town after being ousted by Texas's boosters, even though he was doing a pretty solid job with his time in charge of the Longhorns. Casey Thompson joining him in Boca Raton, a quarterback that he himself recruited to his former team. Memphis, the Tigers over under at 7.5 wins. Last season, they went 7-6 overall, 3-5 in the AAC, and they beat Utah State 38-10 in the first responders bowl. This team, I don't really have anything specific to put uh, into their discussion, so we're just going to go on to the next one. Navy, the midshipmen, over-under set at 6.5 wins. Last season, they went 4-8 and eight overall and 4-4 four and four in the AAC. They got rid of their head coach and upgraded or promoted their defensive coordinator to the head coaching position. Uh, the no-chop blocks rule will be interesting to follow for any service academy program, but I don't have anything else to mention for Navy. Move on to North Texas. The over-under set at 6.5. Last season, they went 7-7 seven and seven overall, 6-2 and two in Conference USA before transitioning to the American Athletic this season. They lost 48-27 to to UTSA in the Conference USA Championship game and then lost to Boise 35-32 in the Frisco Bowl. That's all I really got on North Texas. Rice, the Owls. Over-under set at four and a half wins last season. They went five and eight overall. They went three and five in Conference USA and lost to Southern Miss and the Lending Tree Bowl, only qualifying as having the highest GPA of a team to not automatically qualify with six wins to a ball game. JT Daniels, the quarterback, is at his fourth school in six seasons. After starting at USC, playing two years before transferring to Georgia, playing two years in Athens before transferring to West Virginia and being benched midseason in Morgantown, Daniels finds himself going to Rice for presumably his last college season, falling from a five-star recruit to a bottom half of the AAC quarterback. That'll be another one to watch. If he can lead the team to some success, then the over on that win total is going to be easy, and if he looks like he did last season, they're going to be terrible. SMU is the next team up. They're over under set at eight and a half wins. Last season they went seven and six overall, five and three in AAC play, lost 24-23 to BYU in the New Mexico Bowl. 
head coach Rhett Lashley is going to have this offense humming and scoring 35-plus points per game, which would make the team truly competitive if the defense would actually stop people and help them win games. An example of this one, matchup with Houston last year, it ended 77-63 to in what I believe is uh, the all-time highest-scoring college football game. So yeah, if they can get some stops... This team would be insane with how many points that it scores, but also allows. Next, I will go to South Florida. The over-under is set at 4.5 wins. Last season, they went 1-11 overall and 0-8 in the AAC. They had a new head coach in Alex Golish. Tennessee's offensive coordinator from a year ago gets his first crack at head coaching at USF. But the expectations are riding on him getting the veer and shoot offense to succeed at a new school and be successful straight out of the box. How well you think that goes determines what you think South Florida will be this season, basically, is what it comes down to. The Temple Owls, the over-under set at 5.5 wins last season. They went 3-9 and nine overall and 1-7 and seven in the AAC. The Warner name is here at quarterback. Yes, Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner's son EJ is the quarterback at Temple. And although he's not as great as his dad, he's still a decent quarterback that could stand to help a team in the middle of the AAC win some close games. They also have some returning production, 16 returning starters of 22 across the board come back. The chemistry and continuity could be another factor in this team overachieving in this conference. Next up, got the defending champions, Tulane. They're over under set at 9.5 wins last season. They went 12-2 overall, 7-1 in the AAC. They beat UCF. Uh, 45-28 in the AAC championship game, and they beat USC 46-45 in the Cotton Bowl. They are the reigning champs. Tulane is expected to repeat the dominance of last season's unexpected run, especially after UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati left the conference. But they keep quarterback Michael Pratt from transferring uh, after NIL money was thrown all over him. And they did lose running back Ty J. Spears to the NFL going to the Tennessee Titans. But Tulane stays solid across the board and will likely have a say in who wins this conference again this season. Tulsa. Uh, the over/under set at four and a half wins last season. They went five and seven overall and three and five in the AAC, and that's all I've really got to say about Tulsa. Next up, we got UAB. The Blazers over/under is four and a half wins. Last season, they went seven and six overall, four and four in Conference USA, and won the Bahamas Bowl twenty-four to twenty over Miami, Ohio. Trenton Dilfer is the new head coach, but it even gets better than that. Even though he's only ever coached high school football in Nashville. He brought his defensive coordinator from high school who has no college experience and Chris Mortensen's son in to be the offensive coordinator after only being an analyst at Alabama last season. So this team either is going to uh, have like diamond in the rough potential and go off this season or be absolutely terrible. Uh, next up, the one team that we can count on consistently scoring points and getting wins, UTSA. The over-under set at 7.5 wins. Last season, they went 11-3 overall, 8-0 in Conference USA. They were the Conference USA champions and lost to Troy 18-12 in the Cure Bowl. Coach Trailer and Frank Harris are back. Frank Harris is back for his seventh, yes, seventh season at UTSA as quarterback. Turned down NIL deals from a bunch of other schools. Stayed on campus to lead his roadrunners into a new conference and help them compete right away. They are without the school's all-time leader in receiving yards and touchdowns and all the stats. Zakari Franklin left. I believe he ended up at Auburn or Florida State. Didn't write that down. But Frank Harris is the all-time program leader in basically every passing category. And Coach Trailer is the mastermind behind that offense. So it should still stay humming, should still score a lot of points, and should still win a lot of games down there in San Antonio. Now let's go through my projection just looking at the schedule and... Um, seeing who I picked to, you know, win games, basically. My projection, I'll start at the bottom, suspense. 14th, I have East Carolina going 2-10 and overall, 1-7 and in conference. I uh, just, Holton Aylers was so good for this team that losing him and a whole bunch of other guys, honestly, either due to the portal or graduating, I don't see this team being very good at all, and I think it's going to be them having to build those new athletic facilities to bring in new recruits and have transfers have interest in the program before they actually get good again. 13th, we have Ford Atlantic. The Owls going 3-9, and 2-6 and six overall. Uh, just I blindly don't have confidence in the Owls this season. 
got more confidence in their basketball team going back to the Final Four than I do their football team going to a bowl game, if that says anything. 12th place, Rice, 3-9 and nine overall, 2-6 and six in conference. JT Daniels will dictate the success of the Owls. If he's good, they're going to go over their win total. If he's bad, 3-9, and 2-10 is on the cards. 11th, I have Memphis going 4-8 and eight overall and 2-6 and six in conference. The offense is decent for the Tigers. Uh, the offense, I should say, is decent for the Tigers, if I didn't say that correctly. The defense is usually what lets them up scoring or lets up scoring and then inevitably costing them the win. 10th, UAB going 4-8 and eight overall and 3-5 and five in conference. Even with Trent Dilfer coming in, not having confidence in the coaching staff personally, I still couldn't find a way that the talent on the actual team couldn't win four games on their schedule. So that's what I'm going with. Ninth, I got Navy going 5-7, and 3-5 and five in the conference. I think the new rule changes are going to wreak havoc on all the service academies. But I also think Navy was one of the few that was already kind of working out of the shotgun and not doing as much of the chop blocking last year. So they should be able to adapt to it better than the other ones. Eighth place, I got Temple going 5-7 and seven overall, 3-5 and five in conference. EJ Warner can probably win him a couple games. And the uh, starters coming back on offense and defense probably have enough chemistry and understanding of how the game is going to be played in the AAC to win a couple close ones, but not anything too crazy. Seventh place, I have Charlotte also going five and seven overall, but four and four in conference. Uh, Biff Poggi, that's all I got to say about Charlotte. Um, he's been recruiting and coaching in high school uh, in Charlotte before he took the job in Michigan. Went to Michigan and was credited with almost all of the success if Jim Harbaugh wasn't given it. So I think Charlotte's going to take off right away. Sixth place, I got South Florida also going five and seven and four and four, same as Charlotte. Um, I think the offense is electric enough to win a few games by itself if Golish continues to coach it like it was being done at Tennessee. If not, and the talent is lackluster, then this team could be just as bad as it was last season. Next in fifth, I have North Texas going eight and four, five and three in conference. Um, yeah, they fired their coach last season after going seven and five and losing the conference championship game. So if that tells you anything about their expectations for the year, I think eight and four has to be on the cards. Fourth place, I have Tulsa going six and six overall, but five and three in conference. And I have nothing else to say about Tulsa like I did in the preview part. Oopsie daisy. Third place, I got UTSA going nine and three overall, six and two in conference. Frank Harris will inevitably find a way to win this team some games that they shouldn't, but not having his old reliable receiver, Sakari Franklin, uh, probably cost him in some situations. So I think they drop an extra game than they did last season in the regular season. Second place, I got SMU going 10 and 2, 8 0 in the conference overall. This is one that I looked at and went, eh, but then I looked at the schedule and I was like, well, I don't really see any way that I can change it. So um, look for SMU to not do this, but at the same time, don't be surprised if they do. That's kind of my thought. First, I have Tulane going 11 and 1, 8 and 0 overall. Um, I'm not the most confident in this. I think they probably end up 10 and 2, but again, it's like I look at the schedule and don't see a second loss, obviously, but. Um, yeah, that's all I really got for the, the, uh, American athletic conference. Hopefully you enjoyed this part of the episode. And now we're going to go to the next conference, whichever that one might be. Hey, yo, it's time for conference USA season preview. Um, like I said, in the last one, some teams, I'm going to have more storylines than others. Uh, so don't be surprised if some of them is just last season's record and we move on to the next team. Um, I guess some details I got and some details I just don't. So uh, we'll skip right on through this one, see what we got. Starting alphabetical order, win totals posted from Caesars is what I'm going to be going over. And then at the end of the, the uh, episode, I'll go over my projected standings looking at the schedule and picking wins and losses. Starting off at the top, Florida International, the airport, the over-under is set at Three and a half wins for the Panthers last year. They went four and eight overall and two and six in CUSA. Conference USA. Don't got anything else to say about them besides it's the airport, Florida International. So we're going to move down to Jacksonville State, moving up from FCS to FBS this season. The over under for them is four and a half wins. Last season, they went nine and two overall and five, to, five and zero oh in the A Sun at FCS level. They got this weird scheduling quirk. One of three teams in this conference that will play five games in a 24-day stretch as the calendar turns from September to October. 
not exactly an exciting thing you want to see in your first season as an FBS program instead of FCS. Five games in 24 days. Liberty Flames, the Lib Flames, Flame and Libs, over under eight and a half wins. Last season they went eight and five overall as an independent, and they lost to Toledo 21 to 19 in the Boca Raton Bowl. They got a new head coach in Coastal Carolina's ex-head coach Jamie Chadwell. Chadwell did lead Coastal Carolina to a wildly successful spell under his leadership, and he leaves the program to go to Liberty and start a new stint at a new school who wants to spend money to be successful in all sports. So look out for Liberty to be good right off the bat when Chadwell gets there. He runs kind of a quirky triple option style offense. He couldn't get Big Bird Grayson McCall in there uh, due to grades, but he at least got to a new school, wants to spend, and he's likely going to be just as successful there as he was at Coastal with more money to spend, so he probably is going to be better overall in the long term. Next up, we got Louisiana Tech. Over-under is set at 5.5 wins. Last year, they went 3-9 and nine overall, 2-6 and six in Conference USA. They are another one of the teams that has the scheduling quirk of playing five games in 24-day stretch as the calendar turns from September to October. They got a bunch of transfer uh, steals, though. They got a new quarterback and a slew of new players from power conferences that will help Louisiana Tech be better than a year ago, but still maybe not separate themselves from the rest of the pack more than just a move up the pecking order in the conference. They took they they basically like Jackson State was wow words Jackson State was under Deion Sanders. If they had a Power Five recruit from last season that didn't get any playing time and didn't see a path to playing time after their first season somewhere, they said, "Hey, come on down here. You'll play for us easily." Uh, so look out for that kind of talent to blow up and make them much better. Middle Tennessee over under set at six and a half wins last year. They went eight and five overall, four and four in Conference USA. They beat San Diego State 25-23 in the Hawaii Bowl, and they also have the scheduling quirk of being one of three teams to play five games in a 24-day stretch as the calendar goes from September to October. Next up, New Mexico State with the over-under huge 6.5 for a program that was going to 1-11 and 0-12-4 years. Last season, New Mexico State went 7-6 overall as an independent. They beat Bowling Green uh, 24-19 in the Quick Lane Bowl. Coach Kill got an extension until 2026. After going to their first bowl game in what felt like forever, even if it took getting a waiver to play an extra game against FCS Valpo to make it there, Jerry Kill was awarded a massive contract extension to keep him in Las Cruces for the foreseeable future. Next up, another team going from FCS to FBS, Sam Houston State with the over-under set at 3.5 wins. Last season, they went 5-4 and four overall, 3-2 and two in the WAC in the FCS level, obviously. They did do a smart strat. Knowing that they were going to be FBS to compete this season, Sam Houston State redshirted 15 players with a year or two of eligibility left to help bridge the gap from FCS to FBS success. Um, look for this team to surprise at least at the start of the year, as the talent on the field will be better than last season and what people will see on film from last season's team. Next up, we got the UTEP Miners. This is another team I have basically no notes on. The over-under set at 5.5 wins. Last year, they went 5-7 and seven overall and 3-5 and five in Conference USA. And that's all I've really got to say. Western Kentucky is the last team I have anything on. Over-under set at 8.5 wins. Last season, they went 9-5 and five overall, 6-2 and two in Conference USA. They beat Florida Atlantic 32-31 in the CUSA Championship game. And they beat South Alabama 44-23 in the New Orleans Bowl. They bring back the nation's leading passer in Austin Reed. Western Kentucky quarterbacks always put up video game numbers. The problem is that the defense lets the other team put up video game numbers as well, meaning that a lot of games end up close or as losses when they would likely win with a half-decent stop unit. So, now that we've only got nine teams in CUSA, let's go to my projections for the season. I have Western Kentucky winning the conference, at least in the regular season, going 9-3 and three overall and 7-1 and one in conference. I, I mean, they're going to put up points, like I just said. Video game numbers, every quarterback. We know who Bailey Zappi is, correct? Austin Reed is the guy that's doing Bailey Zappi stuff now. So this team's going to win games and lose close games when the defense can't get a stop on their side of the ball because the offense is going to put points up when they got it in their hands. Second place, I have the Liberty Flames going 10-2 and overall and 7-1 and in conference. Jamie Chadwell just wins. That's all I have to say. This team has more talent on it, likely, than Coastal Carolina. He brought some players from Coastal with him to Liberty. 
Uh, his offense is quirky and something that this conference doesn't see. He likes to coach up the defense as well. This team's going to be better than what a lot of people expect. Uh, I think nine and three is probably the floor. At the absolute worst, I could see happening is eight and four for this Liberty Flames team. Next up, we got Middle Tennessee. I got them going seven and five overall, six and two in conference. Um, don't know much about Middle Tennessee, so I'm just going to say oopsie daisy on to the next one. Fourth place, Louisiana Tech, seven and five, six and two in conference. Same as Middle Tennessee, losing the tiebreaker head to head. Louisiana Tech brought in a lot of lower Power Five. Uh, level talent like I said the rejects I shouldn't say rejects that's a mean but the, the players that couldn't get playing time on the big programs like a Michigan State or uh, um, Wisconsin or teams like that they brought the transfers in there even if they were higher level recruits like three to five stars I know one kid that they brought in was a five star in like the 2020 class just couldn't stay healthy or keep playing time so he transfers in a lot of players like that. Coming into Louisiana Tech, they're going to see a bump in wins for sure. Fifth place, New Mexico State, 7-6. and six. They had an extra game on their schedule. I, I did this like three times and couldn't figure out why. But 3-5 and five in the conference is what matters. Coach Kill is going to get him to another bowl game. Uh, his extension likely means he's there until 2026, but he also is the kind of guy that wants to win if he's going to do something. So expect New Mexico State to do the same thing as last year, surprise everybody. Sixth place, I have Sam Houston State going four and eight, three and five in conference, redshirting all of those kids in their last season playing FCS football to help be competitive. And FBS will probably prove uh, to be one of the more important things that they did last season. Uh, one, it takes those kids off of the film for everybody that's looking into them. For another one, it keeps them fresh, injury free, and just practicing to stay in the rhythm of playing football without actually getting hurt. And then it also gives them the motivation that, hey, I've only got one or two years left in college and we're going up in competition. I may as well give it my all every time I step out on the field, even if they weren't planning on doing that before. Seventh, I have Jacksonville State, uh, another team coming from FCS to FBS. I have them going five and seven overall and three and five in conference. I don't think they have the same motivation and um, strategy as Sam Houston State did coming up. But Rich Rod will find a way to have his offense scheme some receivers open, uh, get some good runs out of his running backs, and he'll find a way to put points on the board. And as long as the defense is half decent, they're going to be in most of their games, if not winning most of their games. So watch out for Jacksonville State this year. Eighth place, I have UTEP. The Miners only going 2-10, and 1-7. I've seen people have them in the preseason in the top two. I just know nothing about them, and every time that I read stuff, I'm not exactly the most impressed by it. Hearing other people talk about them, they're just kind of like, meh. There's not anything great to say, but they're also not terrible. I have their record as terrible, but it's mainly just because I propped up the rest of the conference with wins over them because I know more about the other teams than I do about UTEP. And I think a lot of people will do the same thing. I just don't see UTEP excelling uh, to the point that they're going to be, you know, top half of the conference. You know, I think the best they're going to be is sixth this season, basically. Last place I got the airport, Florida International, going one and eleven, zero and eight overall. They did have some outright upsets as double-digit dogs last season, but I, I just don't see it happening two seasons in a row. And I think they're going to go back to being one of the worst teams in the FBS this year. But that's all I got for CUSA. So we're going to take, you know, the quick break for the transition and then we'll head on to the next conference, which I don't know what it is off the top of my head. So we're going to find out in about five seconds. It's the Mac, baby. That's the next one that we're going to talk about. Uh, Mac season preview here. Um yeah, posted win totals are from Caesar Sportsbook. Again, some of these teams I might not have the most information on, so I might just hop, skip, and jump through a lot of this. And scrolling through my notes, it looks like I have one team that actually has notes. So this is going to be a quick, quick section of this preview part. But it's the max season preview, uh, midweek maxion, what we look forward to um, throughout the year. Let's start with Akron going in alphabetical order. Over-under set at three and a half wins. They are destined to have a leap some year. They're bringing in talent and money to this program. They're going to be better. It's only a matter of time. Uh, last year, 2-10 and 10 overall, 1-7 and seven in Maction. Excuse me. 
I don't think they make a giant leap this year, but three and a half certainly seems like an over that can be achieved for the Akron Zips. Next up, Ball State. Over under set at five and a half wins. Last year they went five and seven overall. Five and a half wins, five and seven overall. Three and five in the MAC last season. Don't got any more notes on them either. Bowling Green over under set at four and a half wins. Last season they went six and seven overall, five and three in the MAC, and they lost to New Mexico State 24 19 in the Quick Lane Bowl. That's all the notes I got on Bowling Green as well. Buffalo, the Bulls. Over under six and a half total wins this season. Last season they went seven and six overall, five and three in the MAC, and they beat Georgia Southern 23-21 in the Camellia Bowl. Wow, English is going very bad today. Next up, my favorite name in all of college football. I mean this wholeheartedly. Central Michigan Chippewas. Over under is set at five and a half wins. Last season they went four and eight overall and three and five in the MAC. That's all I got for Central Michigan. Even if it's my favorite mascot name, I that's all I got for him. Another one that I don't got anything for is Eastern Michigan. Over under set at seven and a half wins. Last year they went nine and four overall, five and three in the MAC, and they beat San Jose State forty-one to twenty-seven in the Potato Bowl. Next up, one team that I actually have something to say about Kent State. The over under set at two and a half wins. Last year they went five and seven overall, four and four in the MAC. Their head coach is gone, and so are the players. Head coach Sean Lewis left the head coaching post to become offensive coordinator for Deion Sanders at Colorado. He's going to be paid much more as head as offensive coordinator than some head coaches are being paid at the bottom of Power 5 conferences. With that being said, all of the big players from last season's team are also gone. Zero starters return on offense and only three return on defense for what could possibly rival Stanford as the worst team in the FBS this year. Then we go to Miami of Ohio. Over under set at six and a half wins last season. They went six and seven overall, four and four in the MAC, and they lost to UAB 24-20 in the Bahamas Bowl. Again, like I said, Kent State was the only one I had real notes on. So let's skip on down to Northern Illinois, the Huskies. The over under set at five and a half wins last season. They went three and nine overall and two and six in the MAC. Northern Illinois makes absolutely no sense when you look at them because there's years that they go two and ten, and then next year they'll go ten and two and win the MAC. Um, just absolutely no idea what to expect from the Huskies, so it's anybody's guess what's going to end up happening in DeKalb. Ohio, we got the Wagon over under 7.5 wins. Last season they went 10-4 and four overall, 7-1 and one in the MAC. They lost 17-7 at Toledo in the MAC championship game, and they beat Wyoming 30-27 in the Arizona Bowl. Starting quarterback Curtis Rourke is back. They did manage to keep him out of the transfer portal and going to a bigger school. But he is also coming off a torn ACL that he suffered the week before the conference championship game. So being as that was middle of November last year, he's barely going to have eight and a half months under his belt before we go back to playing college football this weekend. Next up, the Toledo Rockets. Over under of eight and a half wins last season. They went nine and five overall. Uh, five and three in the MAC and beat Ohio 17 to seven in the MAC championship game. They beat Liberty 21-19 in the Boca Raton Bowl. A lot of people have them as their favorites to win the MAC. I think I don't, but that was just because of their scheduling. But next up, Western Michigan, the last team to go over at all, over under three and a half wins. Last season they went five and seven overall, four and four in the MAC. A far cry from what Coach Fleck had them doing before he left for Minnesota. Okay, my projection for the MAC will start in the West. I have Western Michigan going eight and four, seven and one. I think I just liked looking at their horse uh, mascot in the picture, and that's why I picked them. To be quite honest with you, because Toledo is probably the favorite here. I have them sitting second, going five and three in conference, eight and four overall. Same overall record, but worst in conference. Uh, third place, I have Central Michigan Chippewas. Uh, going 5-7 and seven over... No, I don't actually have Northern Illinois, the Huskies. I don't know why this was out of order. Northern Illinois, Huskies, 7-5 and five overall, 5-3 and three in conference. This is the year I'm going to project they go up after not being up last season. Then we have the Central Michigan Chippewas in 4th, 5-7 and seven overall, 4-4 four and four in conference. Don't know anything, but go Chippewas. 5th, uh, I have Eastern Michigan going 5-7 and seven overall, 3-5. and five. Some people have them as 2nd or 3rd in the West behind Toledo. Um... I just don't know enough about them, and uh, every time that I watched them last year or bet on them last year, they sold, so I'm going with them at the bottom of the conference this year. Ball State last because it's the one I don't hear about whatsoever, 
and they only have mediocre records every year. I don't even have them going terrible, just 4-8, and 3-5 and five in conference. That has them at the bottom of the West. In the East, I have Ohio going 9-3 and three overall, 7-1 and one in the conference. Curtis Rourke, whether he's healthy or not, is going to lead this team to wins, so expect them to be towards the top of the MAC this year. Miami of Ohio coming in second for me at 7-5, and 5-3 five, five and three in conference. Don't have much else to say about the Red Hawks. Third, the Buffalo Bulls, 5-7 and seven overall, 4-4 four and four in conference. I just honestly like looking at this. The MAC is going to eat itself alive in the same kind of context as the Pac-12 does every year. I don't see a lot of these teams going bowling, or if they do, it's going to be with 6-6 six and six records, and that's it. Fourth place, Bowling Green, 4-8 and eight overall and 3-5 and five in conference is what I came up with. But again, it's like the middle of the conference. They're going to win and lose games all over the place, so who knows where they might end up. Fifth place, I got Akron going 3-9, and 2-6 and six in the conference. Um, I think they take a step forward, but not the step forward that everyone is expecting this season. I think that will probably come next year or the year following once they start showing the improvement and building up the facilities to actually um, influence kids to come to campus and pick them over other schools. And last but certainly least, sixth place, Kent State going 1-11, 0-8 in conference. With everybody leaving... Just don't see this. Uh, don't see this team being really any good in the slightest. That's the nicest way I can put it. But um, now that we've done the MAC, we're gonna move on to the Mountain West Conference. So join me after this little break. All right, it is Mountain West time, baby. So we're gonna go through the teams alphabetically like we have been all episode, and. Um, win totals projected from Caesars at the very end go over what I have for wins and losses in the conference um, and see how wrong I am at the end of the season so starting at the very top we have the Air Force Falcons and again I'm going to mention this because I have at the beginning of every episode or portion portion of this um, preview episode uh, there's some teams I'm not going to have a whole lot of info on and some that I might go on for way too long about, so don't be surprised if I hop, skip, and jump through some teams and sit on some for a while. Air Force Falcons, the over-under set at 8.5 wins. Last season, they went 10-3 and overall, 5-3 and in the Mountain West, and beat Baylor 30-15 to in the Armed Forces Bowl. This is one of the service academies I'm going to be watching due to the cut blocks being outlawed, um, how they adjust and adapt to the new style of college football will be paramount to their success. Next up, Boise State, the poster child for this conference, and everyone loves the Smurf turf, or maybe they hate it, but everyone knows Boise State. The over-under set at 8.5 wins. Last year, they went 10-4 and overall, 8-0 in the Mountain West, before losing to Fresno State in the Mountain West Championship game, 28-16, but they did win the Frisco Bowl against North Texas, 35-32. They have the toughest schedule in the Mountain West. They start out the season with a visit to Washington, a Pac-12 team in Seattle, and then a home game against the Big 12 newcomer UCF before going to San Diego State, to Memphis, and then playing the toughest of the tough tough teams in conference with Air Force, Fresno State, and Wyoming all on the schedule as well. Uh, Boise State might have the same level or better of roster, but it's a Duke in the eight. ACC situation where the schedule is so much tougher than last year that the team might have fewer wins but be better on paper. Next up, Fresno State, the over-under also eight and a half wins. Last season they went ten and four overall, seven and one in the Mountain West. They beat Boise State 28-16 in the Mountain West Championship game and beat Washington State 29-6 in the LA Bowl. They had a solid team, but they are losing some production. Quarterback Jake Hayner that everybody loved, and the top three receivers and the offensive coordinator are all gone from last year's Mountain West champion. Uh, But Jeff Tedford, the head coach, always finds a way to ensure that the defense will at least keep games close at the very least. Next up, Colorado State. The over-unders at 4.5 wins. Last season went 3-9 overall, 3-5 in the Mountain West. Take the over on their win total, and that's all I have to say. Uh, Sheesh, just heard a weird noise. Had to check that. Hawaii, over under 3.5 wins. Last season, they went 3-10 and ten overall, 2-6 and six in the Mountain West. Don't got anything for Hawaii besides prayers up for uh, people in Maui dealing with the wildfire situation. Next up, Nevada, over under 4.5 wins. Last season, they went 2-10 and ten overall, 0-8 in the Mountain West. I think they're going to be just as terrible this season. UNLV, the University of Nevada at Las Vegas, over under 4.5, 5.5 wins. 
Last season, they went 5-7 and seven overall and 3-5 and five in the Mountain West. They had a new head coach in and some better recruiting being done. Barry Odom has taken over for Marcus Arroyo. With the new focus on defense and they're recruiting the Las Vegas area better, success is likely going to be slow and steady process in the Valley. Um, word on the street, Marcus Arroyo neglected the Vegas area for recruiting and didn't have any area of expertise in terms of coaching. He basically just showed up and said, play football, and then didn't care to even go down the street to some of the better high school football teams in the area and try to get kids locally to stay home in college. New Mexico, the Lobos over under three and a half wins this season. Last year, they went two and 10 overall and 0 and eight in the mountain West. Um, yeah, that's about all I got. The offense is bad. Defense is not great. I don't expect much from New Mexico, San Diego state. The over under set at six and a half wins. Uh, last season, they went seven and six overall five and three in the mountain West and lost 25, 23 to middle Tennessee in the Hawaii bowl. This team is transitioning to the air raid under Brady Hoke, so the defense is still going to be great, but the offense is going to take a year to transition. As I mentioned in one of the other previews, teams transitioning to or from the air raid tend to struggle right off the bat. So watch out for San Diego State, but the defense will definitely be keeping them in games, even if the offense isn't firing on all cylinders. San Jose State over-unders at 5.5 wins last year. They went 7-5 and five overall, 5-3 and three in the Mountain West, and lost to Eastern Michigan in the Idaho Potato Bowl, 41-27. to 27. That's all I got on the San Jose State Spartans. Utah State over-unders at 5.5 wins last season. They went 6-7 and seven overall, 5-3 and three in the Mountain West, and lost to Memphis in the First Responders Bowl, 38-10. Last team in the Mountain West, we're going to talk about Wyoming with the over-under set at 6.5 wins. Last year, they went 7-6 and six overall, 5-3 and three in the Mountain West. They lost to Ohio in the Arizona Bowl with a score of 30-27. The style of play is what we're going to talk about for a second. Wyoming wants to set college football back about 100 years, running the ball on first, second, and third down, but never going for it on fourth down as they only went for it at a 6% clip. So they like to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and either punt or score field goals if they're not celebrating in the end zone. Head coach Greg Bull has a strategy of run the ball until you get stopped and then either punt or kick field goals. Yeah, that's basically how you can describe Wyoming football in the shortest but simplest way possible. My projection for this conference, first place San Diego State going 9-3 and overall, 7-1 and in conference. They're just going to be great on defense. That's going to keep them in games. And if the air raid starts to click for this team, watch out because they will be dangerous with how good the defense always tends to play. Second, I got Colorado State going huge 9-3, and 6-2 and two in conference. This is a team that I am buying high on, and you can tell by my projection. They might not be that great, but definitely going over their win total at 4.5. Third place in my projection, Boise State going 8-4, and 5-3 and three in the conference. The schedule is super tough. The roster is going to be uh, loaded for a Mountain West team, but I, there's only so much you can expect when your schedule goes from one of the Middle of the pack, easier schedules in conference to one of the toughest in the country. Fourth, Air Force, 9-3, and 5-3 and three in conference. Um, I think that as long as the rushing attack stays put, this team is going to be great. But if the cut blocks being outlawed it starts to derail this team, it could go sideways quick. Fifth, I have Wyoming going 7-5 and five overall and 4-4 four and four in conference. The home field advantage for Wyoming in Laramie is going to be huge as it's the highest elevation for any college football stadium in the country. Um, so that alone is going to help them uh, playing their home games. Sixth place, Fresno State, 6-6 six and six overall, 4-4 four and four in conference. The defense is going to keep them in games as long as the offense starts to, um, you know, hit some sparks and light it up. They're going to be better, but that's about all I got for Fresno. UNLV, I got at seventh going 6-6 six and six overall and 4-4 four and four in conference as well. I think that the coach actually cares about recruiting the area and playing better on defense, really both sides of the ball, but especially defense, that's going to lead to a better record. And seeing as they went 5-7 and seven last year with a coach that kind of just showed up for a paycheck, this team is going to be better this season. I think 6-6 six and six is about exactly where they'll end up. Eighth place, I got Utah State going 5-7 and seven overall and 4-4 four and four in conference. Um... Nothing too special about Utah that I have to say. Nevada in ninth, going 5-7 and seven overall, 4-4 four and four in conference. Team that was terrible last year, I expect them to at least be somewhat better this season, so I got them at 5-7. and seven. San Jose State, 
four and eight overall, three and five in conference. This is a team bet the overs on when they go to play early on in the season because the defense is not going to be great and the offense is going to maybe not torch people, but be kind of the dink and dunk offense that goes up and down the field and scores points as well. New Mexico, I have it 11th going three and nine overall, one and seven in conference. I expect basically nothing from Nebraska, or Nebraska, wow, New Mexico. So three and nine is about the best that I can see this season going for them. And 12th and last place is Hawaii for me. Although after I did this projection, I kind of put it together in my head that the defense started playing better at the end of last season. Even if they weren't doing the absolute best, they're still doing better than they were at the beginning of the year and started only really allowing teams between 10 and 24 points the rest of the season. They just couldn't put the games away and actually get the win themselves. So maybe the same thing happens, but I still don't see this team moving up the standings that much to make me regret putting them at the bottom, but they might make me eat some crow at the end of the season going up a little bit. But now we go to the last conference that I have to preview, which is the Sun Belt. So I'll be right back for that one. Sun Belt, Fun Belt, baby. It's the last of the group of five conferences that we're doing. Um, going to do the teams in alphabetical order like every other preview has been done. All the win totals coming from Caesars Sportsbook. Um, so, yeah, we'll start at the very top. Appalachian State over under six and a half wins. Last season they went six and six overall, three and five in the Sun Belt. Last season's darling was this Appalachian State team. Everyone in America fell in love with App State last season, so much so that ESPN's college game day went to Boone, North Carolina, as they faced off with Troy, a matchup that App State would win on a last-second Hail Mary. Quarterback Chase Bryce is gone, but the team isn't worried about a lack of production with the newcomers into the roster. Again, if you haven't listened to all the previews, there's some teams that I'm just not going to have a lot of information to talk about. This is one of them, Arkansas State. Over under 4.5 last season, they went 3-9 and nine overall and 1-7 and seven in the Sun Belt. And that's all I've got for the Arkansas State Red Wolves, I believe. It's, a, it's a Wolves, but Coastal Carolina, over under set at 7.5 wins. Last year, they went 9-4 and four overall, 6-2 and two in the Sun Belt, and they lost 45-26 to Troy in the Sun Belt Championship game before losing to East Carolina in the Birmingham Bowl. They got a new head coach, but the same quarterback. Uh, Tim Beck takes over for Jamie Chadwell, who departed for Liberty, but quarterback Big Bird Grayson McCall returns after initially entering the transfer portal last season. The prevailing thought amongst analysts and pundits is that McCall was headed to Auburn or maybe another SEC school before they turned him back for his poor grades. So apparently they do actually go to school when they play college sports. Next up, Georgia Southern over under six and a half wins. Last season, they went six and seven overall, three and five in the Sun Belt, and lost to Buffalo 23 21 in the Camellia Bowl. And that's all I've really got for Georgia Southern. Also, Georgia State over under set at five and a half wins. Last season, they went four and eight overall, three and five in the Sun Belt. And that's all I got for the Georgia schools right now. Uh, James Madison over under set at eight and a half wins. Last season, they went eight and three overall, and six and two in the Sun Belt. The bad news is that the top rusher and top four receivers are gone, and the team can't win the championship for the conference or go to a bowl game as part of the agreement from going from FCS to FBS competition last season. But the good news is all five offensive linemen and eight defensive starters are all returning for James Madison Dukes. So think of that how you will. Next up, Louisiana Lafayette, the Ragin' Cajuns, over-under set at 7.5 wins. Last season, they went 6-7 and seven overall, 4-4 four and four in the Sun Belt, and lost to Houston 23-16 in the Independence Bowl. That's all I got for them. Louisiana Monroe, over-under 3.5 wins. Last season, they went 4-8 and eight overall, 2-6 and six in the Sun Belt, and this is a lot of people's picks to be the bottom of the conference this season, along with Old Dominion, who we'll get to in a minute. But next up, we have Marshall, the Thundering Herd. The over-under set at 7.5 wins. Last year, they went 9-4, and four, including a win in upset fashion over Notre Dame. They went 5-3 and three in the Sun Belt and beat UConn 28-14 in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Then we get to Old Dominion. Over-under set at 3.5 wins. Last year, they went 3-9 and nine overall, 2-6 and six in the Sun Belt. They got a new offensive coordinator and the quarterback from Fordham coming in. Kevin Decker joins the staff and brings with him the backup quarterback from the school he left. Um, Grant Wilson. He will have a head start in the system and likely be competing from day one for the starting gig as part of the Monarchs system. 
Linebacker Jason Anderson. Is that, is that Jason Anderson or Jason Henderson? I, my computer corrected so much stuff in this doc that I've had to correct, but he returns after leading the country in tackles last year with 186 to his name, which is great that you have someone that can produce that well on defense, but also not a great sign that the defensive line is so unspectacular that a linebacker leads the country in tackles by a whopping 39 over second place. Next team up, South Alabama. The over-under for them is set at 8.5 wins. Last year, they went 10-3 overall, 7-1 in the Sun Belt, and lost to Western Kentucky in the New Orleans Bowl, 44-23. They got some returning production and some recruiting wins to discuss. South Alabama returning 18 starters across the board from last season's team, and they bring in the best recruiting class the school has seen in seven years. Their returning production will be able to bridge the gap between their success right now and the new recruits having their learning curve to fill in the seasons in between. Next up, we got Southern Miss with their over-under set at 5.5 wins. Hit the over on this one as well. Last season, they went 7-6 and six overall, 4-4 four and four in the Sun Belt, and they beat Rice 38-24 in the Lending Tree Bowl. Frank Gore Jr. is the only talking point on this team that you should have and will have. He's maybe the most underappreciated player in the country because he plays in the Sun Belt and not the SEC, but Frank Gore Jr. has had stretches where he was the best passer, the best rusher, and the best receiver on his team. He showed all of that in the bowl game last season. So if you don't believe me, you can even just go check out the highlights. I believe he had a, a, two passing attempts in a row on the same play that still had a touchdown. The first one called back from a penalty, either a touchdown or down inside the five-yard line on the second attempt. He absolutely ridiculously good is Frank Gore Jr. Next up, Texas State. The over-under set at four and a half wins. Last year they went four and eight overall, two and six in the Sun Belt. They are the Colorado Light, the Colorado of the group of five schools. 51 new players joining to the program, 37 being transfers. New head coach G.J. Kinney comes in from the Incarnate Ward program after leading that team to the number one offense in the country in 2022. So watch out for Texas State to put up points in bunches. Maybe not have that great of a defense, though. Team that will have a great defense is the Troy Trojans, over under set at eight and a half wins. Last year they went 12 and two overall, seven and one in the Sun Belt, beat Coastal Carolina 45-26 in the Sun Belt Championship game, and beat UTSA 18 to 12 in the Cure Bowl. The defense, like I said, was stellar last season. The numbers don't lie. Troy was a force as a stop unit last season and abysmal on offense. We can expect both to regress towards the mean this season, but the team is still going to be solid within the conference and likely to compete for the title yet again. So last time that we'll do this this season, my projection for the conference, Sunbelt, Funbelt style. In the West, I have Troy finishing first at 10-2, and 7-1 and in the conference. Um, like I said, they're going to compete for the title again this year. Even if the defense regresses to closer to average, um, the defense is going to get you know closer to uh, average because it can't get much worse so if the defense can still stop other teams from scoring points and the offense itself can score more points this team is going to at worst stay around 10 and 2 next up south alabama they won 10 games last year i have them going eight and four this season with six and two record in the conference um, south alabama the georgia state and georgia southern all are like the sec runoff programs the schools that take kids that don't get the invites to the big schools in their home states so they want to stay home and they're just you know quote unquote not talented enough to go play for the sec schools they end up going to these schools instead so they're going to be more dominant and better than what people expect third place i have southern miss frank gore jr leading the team to a seven and five record six and two in the conference um, the team goes as Frank Gore Jr. goes, so as long as he stays healthy, they're going to win a bunch of games, and that's pretty much all I have to say to you about it. Fourth place, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, 7-5 and five overall, 4-4 four and four in the conference. You know, it's just Louisiana. You don't really know anything about them, but you always find them on TV, and they're always competing in the game that you end up watching them in. Fifth place, I have Arkansas State going 4-8, 2-6 and, eight, two and six in the conference. Another one that I just don't have much else to say about it. Sixth place, Texas State, the Colorado light of the Sun Belt. Uh, I have them going 2-10 and ten overall and 1-7 and seven in conference. I just think the offense can have the guy that coached the number one offense in the country last season come in, but the defense still has to stop some people before um, 
before they actually win the games. So I think they score a lot of points, but also give up a lot of points, and that leads them to lose a lot of games. Last place, though, I have Louisiana Monroe going 1-11 and 0-8. They're projected at the bottom of, like, everybody's Sunbelt projections, so I'm just going to fall in line here with that one as well. In the East for the Sunbelt, Georgia Southern is the team that I have finishing first with a 9-3 record going 6-2 in the conference. Like I said, an SEC runoff school in the state of Georgia, you know that they're going to have some of the kids that are like three to four stars that don't get taken on by Georgia or Alabama going to this school and the next one, Georgia State, finishing second, seven and five, overall five and three in my projection. Um, those two are going to have some of that SEC runoff talent, and they're going to be good. That's all I really, really need to say about that. Third place, I have James Madison Dukes going nine and three overall, but five and three in conference. They surprised everybody going eight and four last season in their first season in the FBS. They're only going to get better from here. They dominated FCS for years before jumping up, and now they're showing that they're pretty dang good. Fourth place, I have App State going eight and four overall, six and two in conference. Chase Price is leaving, but the entire team is not worried about losing that much production from him being gone. So they're going to stay about the same as they were last year. Fifth place, Coastal Carolina. This team I expect to take a step back after Jamie Chadwell's leaving. Seven and five overall is what I've got here. Five and three in conference. Still not terrible, but just not as dominant or as good as they have been for the past few years. Sixth place, I have Marshall going six and six, three and five in the conference. About all I got for you on Marshall. And last place, I have Norfolk's own Old Dominion Monarchs going one and eleven, zero and eight in the conference. Um, they got destroyed in the transfer portal and the kids were going to like UCLA or, um, like SEC schools. Like it's not, sometimes it's not the kids are leaving that there's a problem. It's like where they're going that you can tell how much talent that they're losing. So when you have kids going to UCLA or Tulane and schools like that, you know, you're losing players that are actually quality and not just kids on a roster. Uh, Old Dominion lost a lot of those and didn't manage to bring that many of them back into the system. So I think they're going to tumble down the Sun Belt standings. But that's all I've got for the Group of Five Conference preview. So hopefully you enjoyed all of these. Um, check out the Week Zero preview and picks episode coming up next. And I will talk to you for that one. Again, hopefully you enjoyed. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye.